Let's go to Space Blue Sky Learning, Episode 4, Florida Space Day, Advocating at the State Capitol. Today, we interview Dale Ketchum, Vice President of the Government and External Relations of Space Florida, the Aerospace Economic Development Agency for our state. Mr. Ketchum will talk to us about the role of advocacy, as well as the importance of promoting Florida as a prime location for space companies. And don't forget to check out our partner site, Aerospace Public Policy Institute, to see how we incorporate these advocacy efforts with our students. You can find us at www.aerospace-policy.org. That's www.aerospace-policy.org. We'll be back with our takeaway after the interview. Mr. Ketchum, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, why don't you start off telling us a little bit about what Space Florida does? Sure. Uh, Space Florida is a rather unique organization. Uh, it's a special district of the state. It's best viewed as being the equivalent of like an airport authority or a seaport authority. But the state about uh, 25 years ago decided we needed a spaceport authority. And many people thought that was very premature and it might've been, but we have uh, grown into a pretty substantive entity that many of the other states around the union would like to replicate. So what does that exactly mean? Like a spaceport, you're bringing businesses to the state? Yeah, we are, uh, we're not like an economic development authority, which is like uh, Enterprise Florida or local county economic development commissions. Um, but we do have a very unique toolkit to attract businesses. We can, we're technically a for-profit public entity, but our profit is judged on jobs and capital investment. And without getting too detailed, um, it, it does enable us to own property, to lease property that enables us to deal with the federal government as government to government but it also enables us to turn around and deal with companies as commercial to commercial. So we own a lot of the uh, buildings and equipment for, that uh, are used by Blue Origin, um, Northrop Grumman, uh, Embraer, companies like that. And all of the active launch pads at the Cape, either we own outright or are, uh, we have significant investment in them through the Florida Department of Transportation. Excellent. Um, I want to step back just for a minute and ask you a question about uh, your backstory. A lot of folks on Space Coast, they might have been, say, the, the children of Apollo technicians, or you grew up in the shadow of the shuttle. Are you a Floridian? Have you uh, grown up on the Space Coast? What, what is your story and how did you get involved with the um, Space Florida? Um, well, I guess I'll challenge anybody to beat me. Um, on that. I'm a third generation Floridian and my dad moved us to Cocoa Beach three years before NASA was created. He was the first city manager of Cocoa Beach when it was taking off with the um, space race. Um, and I grew up on Cocoa Beach with the original seven astronauts being the, the kings of the village, which was great. Uh, Cocoa Beach High was... Um, there was some modest competition from our colleagues down the beach at Satellite High, but Cocoa Beach High was pretty much noon and known as the uh, uh, where most of the space kids' uh, parents uh, worked. 
And um, so I, I grew up with the space industry, you know, in my blood, uh, learned to walk on Cocoa Beach. And it was, it was great. Uh, the only time I've not been here is when I went off to University of Florida. And pretty much within a year of having moved back, I was working for Rockwell International on the shuttle program and have been involved ever since. That's incredible. So you've seen the ups and downs, for instance, when Apollo retired, uh, when, that, when that program ended and more recently, um, and this is a, also a tie into the next question is, when you saw the shuttle retire, that was you know, economically devastating to the community. And how did the state of Florida, how does Space Florida figure in uh, along the time of the retirement of the shuttle? And did you see a lot of uh, like an uptick in the tempo of your activities once the shuttle retired? Well, an interesting story that the year that I went off to the University of Florida, um, was the year that Nixon canceled the Apollo program, or it, 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 it finished in 1972. And the devastation here was cataclysmic because the Cape went from roughly 36,000 down to about 15,000 in a, in a little over a year. And the problem was there was nowhere else to go around here. You know, there, at least when the shuttle ended and we lost 9,000 jobs, um, you know, there was a growing activity at uh, uh, down in South Brevard with with Harris and DBA and some Northrop activities, and there was other places to go. Um, but it, the the Apollo one was much more devastating economically, which is fine. the The shuttle hurt a lot as well. Uh, Space Florida had been very pivotal in the preparation for the shuttle retirement because. If you recall, George Bush Jr., uh, Bush 43, announced that shuttle was going to retire. Um, I believe that announcement came in 2005, 2006, that it was going to end in 2010 with the completion of the International Space Station. So we had a, a number of years to prepare for that. And Space Florida was very involved in, in, in working with our federal delegation, the local EDC, to prepare for that. And I think we were in a good position because we had a, a, a there were going to be thousands of people who were qualified, talented, well-skilled. They had security clearances, which is a big thing. Um, and we were set to attract a lot of industry here to take advantage of this new workforce when, like everybody else on the planet, we got hit in the teeth with the Great Recession. And the so the timing wasn't good there. Um, but uh, it's always interesting that uh, the number of people, even locally, much less across the country and here in the state, who thought that with the retirement of the shuttle that they had pretty much padlocked the Cape and nothing else was happening here, which wasn't at all true because NASA still had some exploration missions. The Department of Defense um, still had national security payloads to get into space. But uh, it was a very hard number of years um, after the shuttle. But we, and given the fact that we were still in the recession, but we've done a pretty good job of aggressively trying to transform Florida, which previously had just been a launch site. Mm -hmm. uh, all the hardware and design work and engineering was done elsewhere. And then the hardware was shipped here. 
uh, and we put it into space. And the state made a very intentional decision to capture more of the manufacturing, the assembly, the engineering of spaceflight hardware, whether it's rockets or satellites or, or capsules. And that started with Lockheed Martin um, getting the, uh, uh, get, becoming the location that Lockheed Martin chose to build and assemble their Orion space capsule. And Space Florida was out visiting with, we knew it was either going to be Boeing or Lockheed uh, that was going to build the capsule for the Constellation program. So we went out to Colorado Springs at the National Space Symposium, met with Lockheed and Boeing, those teams that were out there and said, if you will do your assembly work here in Florida, the state will kick in $35 million to help retrofit an existing building uh, to do that work. And Boeing said, no, we're gonna do it in Houston because it was, the contract was being let by Johnson Space Center there in Houston. But Boeing said, uh, excuse me, Lockheed was wise enough to say, that's a good idea, we'll take you up on it. And then Lockheed won. So that was really the first time something was being built here that would then be launched into space. And that was a significant step. And we were able to build, leverage that and continue to build on that so that now that uh, you know, Blue Origin is building their rocket here. Right. Uh, the New Glenn, correct? Yeah, yeah, the New Glenn. Uh, uh, OneWeb is building satellites here, Lockheed and now Boeing as well as building their Starliner here. So uh, we're off and running and focused on trying to attract the supply chain to support all these elements. And equally important, if not more so, the state wanted to get away from reliance on the federal government as the only customer in town. Right. That was and smart. So the, Very smart. And, and right now, that's that's proven. Particularly, uh, we we like to think we were very wise back then because the the commercial sector is really where the growth is. Uh, well, NASA is going to go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like for our, for the younger listeners who are trying to understand maybe why that was such an important decision, uh, it, is it because of the cost that you're obviously you know you're spending to send the, it out elsewhere to other states who may be able to do it? Was it bringing revenue back for the state of Florida? What was what was the big draw uh, to to really help them understand why we need to be building and doing all of that here in Florida? Well, it's it, it both from the context of doing more than just being a launch site and in looking for customers other than just the federal government, they're both tied to the lessons learned from both Apollo and shuttle. If you are the beneficiary of a big government program and it's um, thriving, uh, life is good, but all government programs come to an end. And right. when they do, if you don't have something else to do, uh, it hurts. Right. So it's kind of like what 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 young people hopefully will learn as they grow up is you, if you have a retirement account, it's a good thing to diversify. Don't have it all in one stock. Right. And and I am sure you like like I have over the years have been an advocate for Florida on on the hill on Capitol Hill. And I would imagine uh, several years ago, I think it was. And I'm not sure if it was Joaquin Castro or another one of the industry guys on the Hill said, you know, Florida for a long time put all their eggs in the we launch shuttles basket when they should have been in the we build rockets and satellites basket like the state of Colorado. And Correct. 
it was a shame that Colorado has, you know, more space dollars than Florida does, but I think you guys have really turned that around. So that's a, well, that's a really good thing. Right. And, and, and Colorado, uh, to their credit, I, I love those guys to death. Um, they've been very smart uh, and taken advantage of every opportunity they had. Uh, the development of, of the aerospace industry in Colorado, in large measure, a, a big part of that has been the fact that over the last, say, two decades, uh, the University of Colorado in Boulder has been the recipient of more NASA science, space science dollars for research than any other university. And maybe not absolutely every year, but by far and away, you know, at least four out of every five. And they have leveraged that into growing, uh, you know, that resulted in a lot of spit off small businesses that were professors who were doing some work and they wanted to, you know, take that talent and start a small business. And that then created a landscape that was very attractive to large businesses that then just came in. And uh, there's no question, uh, Colorado punches way above its weight uh, in terms of being a, a relatively small state, but having an extraordinarily capable uh, aerospace workforce. And one of the challenges that we had when I worked for the University of Central Florida I remember going to Washington and, and complaining to uh, members of Congress, uh, both in the delegation and also uh, uh, in other states, that Florida on a per capita basis was usually last in NASA science dollars. And you know, complaining that that's an outrage. We're the fourth or third largest state in the union. We should be getting more than our share. But invariably someone would go, yes, but look of how much NASA operations money you are getting. And it was so skewed, I'd get thrown out of the office because I was asking for, because the shuttle was so much money coming into right. the state. But then that ended and we've been successful in clawing our way back into uh, particularly uh, University of Central Florida and University of Florida have done a really good job and others as well in starting to really enhance the, the, the intellectual capital uh, and getting to a critical mass that Florida can indeed do a lot of research. And that's a key component in growing and diversifying your, uh, your footprint here in the space uh, enterprise. I, I definitely see the um, synergy between academia and industry and the military and especially creating an entrepreneurial climate and I feel like you guys do a pretty good job of trying to sort of span those, you know, sectors. And I totally agree with you. Uh, in, incentivizing small businesses and industry, that, that's outstanding. So I'm big, big fan of you guys in that area. You know, you'd mentioned uh, the, the advocacy efforts and the idea of going to the Capitol. One of the ways I got introduced, you know, to, to aerospace at all was joining Kevin on some of these little advocacy trips we do here, even in, in our state of Florida. And uh, would, you, would you tell us a little bit about what Space Day is in Tallahassee? Sure. Uh, Space Day is something we've been doing that now more than 30 years. Uh, I was chair back in 2002, so I know we've been doing it a while. And uh, most of the other states, there's a, there's an organization, the Aerospace Space Association, Aerospace States Association, ASA, 
And they've been working to get all, a host of other states to start doing roughly the equivalent of Space Day in their respective state legislatures. Um, but we, we usually help them learn you know, what, how to best do it, what not to do, because we've accumulated our own scar tissue over those decades of what to do and what not to do. But it's, it's, it's a very effective way, particularly in a state like Florida, uh, where most people, because of the profile of the industry, most members of the legislature in Tallahassee are aware of the fact that, that we launch stuff in Florida and we have a big space presence. And I think it's safe to say that most Floridians have as part of their self-identity an understanding that this we are a space state. Uh, in 2004, when Florida created its own quarter, uh, we we put a shuttle on the back of our quarter, and so that that's an important uh, symbol, I think, that Florida considers itself part of a space state. But it's it's also important uh, whether you're in Washington or even in Tallahassee that, and I, I think that's one of the great things that that you you all bringing your uh, kids up there to help us advocate. It's good for them to also invariably understand that there are a lot of people in the legislature who aren't, you know, they know what happens, but they don't really have any depth of understanding. And it's good because, you know, children are the best advocates, uh, whether it's staff or the members that they're more interested in hearing from kids who have dreams of going into space or designing the next uh, capsule or rocket and that's inspirational and that helps us advocate further. But it's also good for the kids to understand that, you know, those members of the legislature or Congress have a lot of other things on their plate um, that are all part of governing. And we are asking for a, a portion of a, a fixed amount of money that there are a lot of other voices asking for. I, I can remember to me, the most difficult space day we ever had uh, was a surprise. We didn't anticipate it, but it happened to be on the same day that we're up there lobbying and advocating for space. And it was the same day that there was a large group of people there advocating for additional state funding for disabled children. Mm. And you're walking into an office talking about this, the state needs to provide money to grow the space business and following behind you are two children in wheelchairs. Yeah. And it, 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 it was good for us to understand there are a lot of priorities and uh, you know, ours is not gonna be the top, nor right. should it be. Right, I but think- Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say from a messaging standpoint, we, because we're educators and we work with young people and we're space enthusiasts to say the least, we can see where they're both the same issue at times, right? Correct. Correct. Workforce development and human capital development, those, those aren't just buzzwords to us. We, we really do believe that. And we, that's, I guess that's one reason we strongly support you guys so much is you, what you do can directly help us better inspire and get our kids in a position to become that workforce one day. Well, and if I can add on to that, one of the things that I think has been most promising for the kids that we take up is that they learn 
that having a conversation with an adult that they are intimidated by the idea that this is a you know a representative, this is a legislature, you know, legislator rather, they're more important than I am. They come to realize that adults generally want them to do well. They they care about what they have to say, and it's enabled for the students that confidence factor to be able to kind of adapt a conversation. So it's one thing to be able to give them the content that uh, Kevin does with with CubeSats and whatnot, but to be able to go and share that with with other people has been incredibly rewarding. So we're very grateful for the opportunity you provided for our, our students each year. Well, and we're we're appreciative because uh, we've we've always been trying to. Uh, uh, I guess it ebbs and flows, but it, there's always been sort of a consistent understanding that having uh, young people as a part of the delegations that go to meet with the members or staff is, is important. And uh, over the last uh, three, four, five years that Kevin's been a critical part of bringing his kids up because, you know, the, your, your kids know what they're doing. And there, there is, uh, professional is probably not the appropriate term, but they are as polished as any, any students that we've had participating. Uh, and we're, we're appreciative of that. So you're helping us help you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I only have, I have one last question. Uh, I know your charter is really about being sort of an economic enabler or you know, an economic um, lever for the state as far as industry goes, but what are your thoughts? Um, you know, I, I could envision a Space Florida Academy or a Space Florida University, or at least, you know, a feeder program where you have these hyper enthusiastic students, Floridians that want to be in aerospace. How do we, how do we pull that lever one more time and engage them? And do you ever see uh, an opportunity or do you see a place where Space Florida might get involved in a different way, perhaps with education? Um, I, to be honest with you, I doubt that. And I, I say that recalling back, as I mentioned before, some of the scar tissue that we have accumulated. Right. Uh, is the, the universities and the other schools, if, if Space Florida was to look like we're trying to muscle in on their job, uh, that would meet with some resistance and that's not in our interest. And I think we do best when Space Florida started, we, we got a launch site and we were thinking about becoming launchers because that's what you're supposed to do. And it was through that exercise that we came to understand that no, it's not. It's like the port, the Canaveral Port Authority manages the port, but it doesn't have any ships. Uh, Orlando International Airport Port, uh, Airport Authority has a huge, you know, multi-billion-dollar complex, but they don't fly anything. It's the customers, the industry that comes, and and we can see us being very engaged in trying to build uh, the best, the optimal system to channel that enthusiasm of young people to, and provide the resources and the technical training and education to grow that workforce so Florida can best thrive. Um, I just don't see us being the ones delivering the product, if that makes sense. It does. For sure. And then my final, and this will be the final question for you here. Uh, and one of the things that I, I 
not being as involved in, in space at all as Kevin was, I got to observe the fact that there were so many different careers. You know, when people hear space, they assume, oh, only an astronaut or they only think engineer. But I've come to realize that every single career passion line that someone might have can actually be benefited uh, in, in our state within aerospace. So if you had listeners today who are either teachers or students who, who might be thinking, wow, I, you know, I really, I love art or I love, you know, a, a computer technology. So aerospace can't be for me. What, in your experience of having dealt with bringing these businesses here, how, what would you say to them about maybe finding a, a niche within aerospace? Are those available for people outside of engineering? Oh, very much so. We look at uh, as space opens up, as, as human activity continues to grow in uh, low Earth orbit and beyond, uh, it's going to be, we view it as roughly the equivalent of the early days of the internet because it, it, it created immense amount of opportunity that most people had no idea what that was going to lead to. But it certainly led to a lot of, you know, the, the internet now. It's, it's just unimaginable. 10 years ago, what's being done today on the internet. And, you know, some of it's, most of it's good, some of it not so much, but uh, uh, space is gonna be roughly the same because there's gonna be all just a, a host of different applications of the manufacturing, the sensors, the, the tourism, as we broaden and go out there into uh, zero gravity and microgravity. And, and I would use the analogy of you know, we're not too far away from having real-time satellite observation um, uh, of the planet, and which means we're about a decade away from teenagers being able, unfortunately, having their parents track their car from space in real time <laughs> when they leave and go to a party, which makes me feel I'm glad I'm old. Um, so it, it, things of that nature, it, we can't imagine how that application is going to be brought and, and new human enterprise and innovation is going to be able to, to flourish and thrive and take advantage of that. So, you know, the, the, the next generations, the horizons are limitless. Right. Well, we really appreciate your time today. Um, thank you so much again. And I guess we'll be, we won't be seeing you face to face this year uh, for Space Day, but right. we'll be sending you our reports virtually instead. So. Okay. That sounds good. Thanks Very much. Again. I appreciate it. You know, I, it was great talking with Dale in a way that I don't normally get to do, uh, being the person, you know, of our pair here, I don't really know a lot about the industry. So getting his backstories and about how he kind of grew up in the area was really intriguing. I guess my biggest takeaway from our conversation is the idea of resiliency and the idea that aerospace in general as, as a, you know, a kind of a workforce and as something that adds to our economy here is something that seems to have survived even when it seemed on the cusp of being canceled out or, or you know we're stopping these programs and things seemed even dire you know at many points in the space coast that it continues to come back i think he mentioned something at the end about covid you want to yes yes um i particularly enjoyed how he said that space florida has tried to really you know take these lessons learned when federal programs have ended like apollo and the shuttle program and they worked to build a diverse industry uh, in the state of Florida where they've lured these companies to not only 
you know, where we've always launched uh, vehicles, but now uh, getting into the area of manufacturing and building up the supply chains. And, and because of their efforts, um, I think there's strong evidence to point to the fact that of all the industries and, that have been, you know, really impacted by this pandemic during 2020, the space industry has done pretty well. And in and, and a little conversation we had after we stopped the recording, he mentioned some specific wins for Florida. Number one, they launched the next mission to Mars, which should be landing next month. Um, the SpaceX has launched nearly a thousand satellites of their, their constellation of communication satellites. And most importantly, I think we returned Americans to space from an American rocket launched from Florida. So all of those mm -hmm. were despite, you know, the uh, terrible pandemic that's affected mm -hmm. so many in our state. You know, and it makes me think too, my final question with him was about all the different elements that make up aerospace and how all these different kind of passions and interests can, can add to that. And I, it's good to know that you don't just have to be pigeonhole into one kind of career or one kind of, you know, aspect of aerospace as long as you find your niche within there, you're pretty well going to be set for a job anyway with this kind of resiliency. So it could be for, for almost anyone. Totally agree. If you're an artist or a zoologist as a, you know, from A to Z, regardless of your interest in a career or a profession, uh, chase down what you love to do, become good at it. And though there will be a home somewhere in aerospace for you. Yeah. All right. Well, don't forget to check out uh, that Aerospace Public Policy Institute website if you want to see some pictures of some former uh, trips to advocacy efforts as far as Tallahassee or DC is concerned and uh, join us for our next one. For now, we'll say goodbye and let's, let's go, go to, to space. space.